we get started this morning, I wanted to take uh, just a little bit of time. Our nation had a tough week this week uh, for a lot of different ways, uh, reasons, and um, there's a lot of anger, obviously, and a lot of anxiety, and uh, a lot of conversations, really, really important conversations. And um, I just wanted to, before we get into the sermon, just uh, share a little bit. Um, these issues that we're facing are real, okay, and there's real people involved, and uh, there's people who feel under, underserved, and the fact that they feel underserved uh, is enough for me, okay? Um, the scripture tells us this, and when we get into situations like this, especially with social media the way it is, everybody is trying to be right, and so there's little things sent out all over from all different people at all different sides, and we're trying to take this huge real issue and drill it down to 140 characters or posting something or whatever. The Bible tells us to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. My prayer for us as a church um, and for us who are here right now and those who are watching on on, uh, Facebook is that we would really take that to heart. I love the fact that it starts off with quick to hear. I think we kind of need to do some more listening before we do talking. That's just my own personal opinion. Um, But what I wanted to do this morning was take a minute, one minute, of just silence. Uh, Not only to remember the families that lost loved ones on all different uh, sides of the spectrum, um, but for our country Uh, that we would be a country that would, (laughs) I don't know if it's possible, to finally get past this, that we look at people based on race. Uh, This is a big part of who we are as a denomination. We're free Methodists. It came out of an anti-slavery movement. That's why we're free, is because at a time when it wasn't popular to go against slavery, we did as a denomination. And so this is really a big part of who we are as a denomination. We uh, didn't have people sitting in certain sections of uh, the church. We had everybody integrated. And uh, the more diverse we can be, surrounded by the banner of Jesus, the better off we are. And so um, I just wanted to take one minute, and uh, you can take that time to pray. And if you're new to coming into church and praying, maybe your prayer is just something like this. Dear God, help me to see people for who they are. Maybe that's it. Maybe your prayer is just, Lord God, help us as a country to get past some of this stuff. So we'll take a little minute of silence, and then I'll, I'll, I'll pray for us, and then we can get started.
Lord Jesus, we invite you into this situation. We ask for your comfort. We ask for your peace. But most importantly, we ask for your mindset that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. That every tribe, tongue, people, and nation will worship you. That our unifying, the banner that we sit under is not American. It's not right or left. It's Jesus. And so, God, we just ask you to be uh, at the forefront of who we are as a people. Or we ask for comfort for the families that uh, lost people. We ask for calm. We ask for uh, hearts that are receptive to listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, yeah, slow to speak. Could you imagine? <laughs> anyway. Uh, we are in a series called Amazing Stories of Jesus and or Awesome Stories of Jesus. And this morning we're going to look at a guy who had all the privilege uh, that you would want. Um, he was wealthy. Um, he was in power. Uh, he was very well educated. Um, he was very highly respected. Um, and yet, in his heart of hearts, he knew he was missing something. And he had watched Jesus come on the scene. And, and, you know, for us who've been around Christianity for a long time, we think in terms of, well, yeah, it's Jesus. Jesus is cool and all this kind of stuff. If you were in power, educated, um, in a place of authority, and Jesus would be a threat to you. Here's what I found out of my own life. In the places in my life where I feel confident, where I feel like I'm in control, where I feel like I'm on the throne, Jesus is a threat to me too, <laughs> right? I, I want him in control of the stuff I can't control, and I want to be in control of the stuff I can control. But guess what? There's nothing I can control, okay? So we're going to look at this guy and how he approached Jesus and how difficult it was for him to see the system he had set up and where Jesus was going to fit in. Have you ever tried to do that? You get your life set up, you get your career, you get your family, you get your car, you get your two and a half kids, you get it all, all set up, and then it's like, now, where should we place Jesus? <laughs> you know, where's the empty seat? Where's the place we want to go? And we're going to see this morning that Jesus talked to this individual in a way that blew his mind. And uh, hopefully, uh, we'll be able to do a little better than this guy Nicodemus did. We're in John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night. This is very important. And said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now, I don't know how much Jesus was paying attention to what Nicodemus said, but prepositional phrases are very, very important. And so when he said, God is with you, I wonder if Jesus just kind of smirked a little bit and said, I'm sorry, did you say he's with me or he is me? Like what, you know, and so I, I don't know, and I might be reading too much into the Bible, but I think it was that phrase that God is with you that Jesus just went the other way. It's, it's not only that he's not just with me. It's bigger than 
everything you've already imagined a relationship with your heavenly father is. God isn't just with me. So here's what Jesus says. Because you'd think Jesus would go, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, I did some of the miracles. I'm glad you noticed. And yeah, I, I am, I, God is with me. And so thank you. It was Nicodemus. Yeah, okay, great. Have a nice day. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus answered and said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. To which Nicodemus is like, huh? <laughs> no, I just, I just paid you a compliment. I said you were from God. Like, I'm here by night. It's kind of, I'm, I'm risking something by doing this. And Jesus is like, I know you're risking something, but I want all in. I want it all and, and, and what Jesus is going to see, what Jesus is saying, and what we're going to see as we move on, in order to follow Christ, in order to accept what Jesus is offering, it's not just placing him like a chess piece in certain parts of our life to go, okay, you can have that. It's not just tweaking. So I, have, I had this uh, 2000 one Toyota Corolla, right? And I got it because I was trying to be very prudent because they last forever. Well, they do not, okay? So, uh, so th- there was something going on with the engine or whatever, so I take it in, and, and they're like, you know, they fix... Well, no, they didn't fix anything. I just gave them money to look at stuff. Um, and at the end of the day, I'm like, well, how, can you fix it? And they just say, it needs a whole new engine. And I, I don't know much about engines, but I'm like, well, no, just fix the part that's broken. And they're like, no, it's... It's, and you know what he called me? A gross polluter. Like, you're a gross polluter. Like, like he calls me a gross polluter. So, uh, so he says, you need a whole new engine. This is what Jesus is saying. I'm not going to get underneath the hood of your life and install a new this and a new that and a new that. I want your engine out and I go in. You must be born again. This is incredibly narrow-minded language to me. I would prefer something along the lines of, hey, well, what do you believe? Well, that's nice, you know, and then Jesus kind of works with me, with my structure. But this is exactly what was happening to Nicodemus. Nicodemus was coming from a structure, a way of thinking, and it wasn't his fault because it had been going on for a long time, and now Jesus is here. And he's watched some of these miracles, and he's seen Jesus interact. Jesus just overturned the tables in the temple. So they know he's serious. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Can he? (laughs) Like, Jesus, I've seen you do a bunch of stuff before, and I don't know if, like, like, I would just like to say uh, I'm not interested, okay? Like, like, I wonder how he said that, or or if he was being, you know, kind of just a rhetorical question. I'm like, you know, uh, we all know he can't, right? I mean, come on. Jesus answered, Truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, scholars, when they look at this particular section of Scripture, they wonder, what does it mean by water? Is that just kind of like a, 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 an earthly birth, that, like, like we would say, something like to that effect, the, the, the water broke? But they didn't talk like that back in this time. So, so water could mean a lot of different things. Some scholars think he meant being baptized. But the, the, 
That doesn't make any sense because we know from Scripture that you don't necessarily have to be baptized in order to see or experience the kingdom of God. So he says, so that the operative word here is born of the Spirit. There needs to be a spiritual rebirth. Now, this is difficult for us to fathom sometimes, like the idea, because we're so fleshly, like, like just, we're just so, you know, if you watch the Science Channel, I love those, the Science Channel, Discovery Channel, Channel for Science, all of them, uh, National Geographic, that's it, yeah. Uh, so, so all those things, is that you, we think we, got, we can figure everything out. Well, we know how everything works, and we're getting smarter and smarter and smarter, but then there's this thing like Nicodemus felt, like, I kind of feel like I'm missing the kingdom of God for some reason. It's almost like all flesh to me. And this week in our country, we see what happens when the flesh takes over, when we don't allow the Spirit of God to, to move or to control us. When we're controlled by our flesh, it always leads to destruction. It always brings forth death. And Jesus is saying, if you want to get past that, if you want to get into this other kingdom, the kingdom of God, you're going to have to do something about your soul. You're going to have to do something about your spirit. That needs to be redone, is what he's saying to Nicodemus. Now, here's the thing for Nicodemus. Nicodemus grew up his whole life knowing that if he were Jewish, he made it. He believed that because he was a descendant of Abraham, his people made it. They were the kingdom of God. This idea that a Jew, a Pharisee, a teacher of the law, one in power, could not see the kingdom of God was unfathomable to him. As a matter of fact, the kingdom was supposed to come through the nation of Israel. This is how it was supposed to work in Nicodemus's mind. They get taken over by Rome, so now they're, now they're occupied. Okay, A Messiah is coming. That Messiah will be a warrior. That Messiah will rule and they'll drive out the Romans. The nation of Israel will be established. And by that nation then, there would be, um, people would come to God, come to the temple, change their religion, confess, and become essentially Jews. They would convert to Judaism. And that's how the kingdom of God was going to come. And so the fact that he was not there didn't make any sense. Let me give you some good news this morning. The kingdom of God is accessible to everyone. The kingdom of God is accessible no matter what your skin color is, no matter what your education is, no matter how much money you have, no matter who your parents are, no matter who your parents aren't, no matter where you live, no matter what car you drive, the kingdom of God is accessible to everyone. Now, here's the flip side of the kingdom. You know, the hardest people, the, 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 the people who have the hardest time experiencing the kingdom of God, those in power. Because they've, they've got 
power. They've got accessibility to everything else. They don't really need. As a matter of fact, Jesus put it this way one time. It's easier for a rich man, uh, it's, it, it's easier for a camel to enter the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now that's not talking necessarily about salvation. It's talking about experiencing the fullness of what it's like to follow Jesus, that rebirth. And so Jesus says, unless you're born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again, which is an unfair statement by Jesus, if he's allowed to have an unfair statement, uh, because this is radically new to Nicodemus. He would not understand this. You keep the law. You are a Jew. You go to the temple. You do your sacrifices. And you made it. You got it. You can almost be born into it. What Jesus did in the chapter before was he overturned the uh, table, uh, 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 the tables at the temple. And here's why. Because what was happening was the temple was set up. And, and, and when you had sin or your family had sin or whatever, you'd go to the temple and you'd offer a sacrifice to God. And so you'd show up. And if you were poor, you'd show up with a couple uh, like turtle doves. Okay. And so you'd show up with your turtle doves and they'd come up. And they'd go, um, they'd inspect your turtle doves, and they'd go, oh, you know what? There's a blemish on this one. You're going to have to go to the turtle dove stand. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever been to Dodger Stadium, right, or Angel Stadium. But let's say you go, and you're there to watch a baseball game. And you get hungry, and you go to buy a hot dog. And that hot dog is $17,000, okay? (laughs) That's what was going on in the temple. It was the only place you could get your, your... your, your official turtle dove, okay, to, to sacrifice. And they could just, they had the power to just go, no, nope, you, you can't use those. You got to use those. And so they were essentially denying access to the kingdom of God. They were denying access to people. They were making it difficult. As a matter of fact, Jesus said one time, you tie up heavy loads. He's talking to the Pharisees. You tie up heavy loads on people and you don't lift a finger to help them. This is not The kingdom, the kingdom is accessible to everybody. But you must be born again. Then Jesus goes into this great thing, because like for you and I, you know, I I think about spiritual things, and a lot of times it's a heavy lift for me. Like I'm thinking, how does this really work? How, how do the things of God, how does it really come down? I mean, how, how does all that really work? And, and, and the thing that where I let myself off the hook is, shouldn't the things of God be deep? Shouldn't there be much thought going into the things of God? And so Jesus says this, essentially what we said two weeks ago when we talked about the blind man. We don't have to explain it in order to experience it. And here's what he says. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it comes from and where it's going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. This is so encouraging to me, because I know a lot of us, this is our journey into following Jesus. Um, uh, I, I was talking to an individual who was an atheist for a long time, and they would go to church and... Um, and because their wife made them go to church. And uh, keep it up, wives. Uh, no. Um, and so they'd go to church. And, and the whole thing, 
he was really into science, and the whole thing was just kind of, it's hard to believe. But he kept watching people's lives be transformed. It's almost like the wind is blowing, and you can see it happening, but you don't know how or why, and, and, and you don't know how you're going to kind of enter into that. And so he did this for a while, and then one day he was sitting there during a sermon, and he just experienced God in a real way. Now, I, I can't explain that. I, I don't know what he experienced. But this is everyone who's born in the Spirit. This is all of us who've been followers of Jesus for a long time. We've all had these situations where we're like, I, I can't explain it to you. I just know that when I, the more I give my life over to Jesus, the more I experience his peace and his joy and his comfort and his strength and his protection, even when my circumstances don't change. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying that you don't have to explain it all. You don't have to have your doctrine all the way down. This is why in our church, uh, we have this thing here that just says belong, that you can belong to our church before you believe. But we want you to believe. (laughs) We want you to believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. We want you to believe that Jesus is the son of God that died for your sins. We want you to believe that, but you can belong prior to this. The wind blows. It goes from one place. It goes from another. We don't know how it gets there. And then Nicodemus says this. This is so cool. How can these things be? <laughs> like, or, or in our, what are you talking about? How, how is this? And so the best example I could come up with, um, and I, I think I did this a couple years ago, is a stereograph. You guys know what a stereograph is? These were really popular in the 80s and 90s, okay? And it's basically a picture. I have one right here. And for those who are watching on Facebook Live, I'm sorry. I'll post this on my Facebook. You can look at it later. But basically, it's that. It's a picture that looks like grass or like AstroTurf or something, right? But if you unfocus your eyes a little bit, um, there's another hidden picture in there. So if I were to tell you, and, and if anyone thinks they see it, now I've lost all of you, okay? <laughs> right? And it's like, I don't know, he just keeps talking. Be quiet, I'm trying to see what it is. I get, I get that. I, I, I totally get that. But if you, if you think you know what it is, you can raise your hand. The, the screen doesn't do it. What is it? No. No. You know what? This is going to take too long, okay? It's a dolphin, okay? It's a dolphin. Trust me. I know. Trust me, it's a dolphin. When I post it on my Facebook, you can look at it, and it'll have a little higher resolution. Oh, my gosh, it's right there. You can't see the dolphin. Okay. (laughs) What is it? I got to put my resume out there to a church that can see stereographs, right? But trust me, it's a dolphin. So now here here I am, and I'm telling you it's a picture of a dolphin. And you're looking at me like you're out of your mind. It's AstroTurf, Right? But it is a picture of a dolphin, okay? Now, imagine Jesus trying to tell Nicodemus, it's a picture of a dolphin. You got to be born again. And he's like, you got to follow the law, dude. You got to follow the law. You have to go to the temple. You have to do, there's all these things you have to do. It's a big hodgepodge. It's very confusing. It's very difficult. And he says, I want you to adjust your eyes to the things of the Spirit, it's there, trust me. And so, but Nicodemus is like, how can this be? How, 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 how do you, how do you, how are you born again? Like, what is that even, what are the things I need to do? 
<laughs> Jesus needs one more jab because poor Nicodemus. No one saw the dolphin, huh? Okay, that was a bad idea. That's a, no, I'll take full responsibility for that. Um, Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and you do not understand these things? Which I just think is cold, okay? Now watch. Jesus is about to set up how this actually takes place. Truly, I say, truly, truly, I say to you, and there's that more that truly, truly language. We speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. In other words, they're still looking for signs and proof and all this kind of stuff from Jesus. They, they, want, they want hardcore evidence because here's the risk that they're taking, and it's the risk all of us take when we decide to become followers of Jesus. What if I lose fill in the blank? For them, what if we lose our power? Now, for Nicodemus and the Pharisees, it's totally un, uh, uh, um, understandable because here is the thing. Their job Their job, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, that whole power structure was to be a go-between between the governor and the leaders of Rome and the people. And so what they would do is anytime there was like a little skirmish or uprising or whatever, they would squelch it before Rome came in and just wiped out people. So it was actually pretty cool what they were doing. And there were some of these uprisings historically prior to Jesus coming and people saying that they were the Messiah. And so it made the Pharisees very nervous. And so the idea that it's like, look, if we're going to buy into you, we're risking a lot. But aren't we all? Like if we're truly going to buy into Jesus, aren't we all risking quite a bit? We're risking control of our lives. What if he asks us to give up something? What if he asks us to do something? What if he asks us to become a missionary? He may, I don't know. You guys are like, we're out of here. See, for everybody, not just Nicodemus, that idea of being born again, the idea of saying, I'm, I'm going to follow Jesus for the rest of my life, is risky. And Jesus is saying, look, I can show you earthly things, but this is a spiritual thing. And so he says, if you do not accept our testimony, if I told you about earthly things and you did not believe, how are you going to believe if I tell you heavenly things? And then he uses just incredibly... Uh, This type of language is why the Pharisees were trying to uh, stone Jesus. No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Very powerful language Jesus uses for this Pharisee who started off the whole conversation was, Hey, dude, I saw your miracles. I think God's on your side. And now look where he finds himself. And then Jesus says this. He goes back into the Old Testament and he pulls out an analogy that Nicodemus would know very well. Uh, What what happened uh, in the book of Exodus, just a real quick thing, you can watch the movie uh, if you want, but uh, what happens is uh, Israel is uh, in bondage in Egypt and God decides to deliver uh, them and so he uses a guy named Moses and, you know, the Ten Commandments and all that kind of stuff. And so they get into the desert, and the people start grumbling. Now, the source of their grumbling is always the same. And it's all the same of my grumbling. There's no different. It's that I trust God. God gets me to a place, 
and then I don't trust God. <laughs> so so I, I, I trust him, and everything's going fine. He's providing, he's providing, but then I just start to look at my own surroundings or look at my own things, and I begin to start to grumble, like, hey, how come this, and how come that's, you know, not, this doesn't look fair, and all this kind of stuff. Well, in the Old Testament, what God did, which is kind of, I'm glad he doesn't do it now, was he sent some little snakes. And so, because um, I hate snakes and sharks. And so, um, and so he sends them out, and if they bite you, you die, okay? So this is what begins to happen. Now, now, now you can think of this on, in a human standpoint, like God like killed, like was killing people with little snakes. No, God was more interested in getting the attention of his people so that they would know that he can be trusted, so that they, he would be their God and they would be his people. Nicodemus knew this story. And so the little snakes start biting people and they start dying. And the people go, okay, okay, do me, go pray to God. Go get, fix it, Moses. Go petition to him. Figure it out. What do we need to do? And so Moses goes to God and God says, okay, make a little, make a little snake on a pole, like a bronze snake, and just put it in the ground. And anyone who looks at it, if they get bit by a snake, they'll be healed. Now, if all you have is the Old Testament, you're thinking to yourself, that is the most bizarre. Why in the world would God do it that way? I mean, if I were God, which is, you know, he's never quite asked me, but if I were God, I, I would have done it a little, a little different. Well, Jesus reaches back several hundred years into this beautiful imagery, and he talks about, I'm going to give you some hints on how to be born again. He says this, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. This whole spirit thing that Jesus has been talking about results in eternal life with our Heavenly Father. And the example he's using is he's pre-telling his own death and how he will die and that he will be lifted up on the cross to die for our sins. Now again, to, to, to some of us who maybe this is the first time we're thinking in terms of that or, or we've heard the term born again and it, it never really made any sense and the people we knew who were born again didn't make any sense. And so it, 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 you get all this... Uh, stuff that's difficult to wrap our heads around. And so John, the writer of the gospel, after Jesus says this, he goes into just a little bit of commentary so that we understand exactly what's going on, what Jesus is telling Nicodemus, because this is talking about being born again. So the writer John puts aside. Now, now the, the, um, if you have an older version of the NIV, they keep this red letters, but it's not. In the Greek, there were no uh, apostrophes, so you didn't know where one thing ended and one thing didn't. But m almost all scholars now are say that this is actually John's commentary on Jesus' statement. And it just happens to be the most famous Bible verse in the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. And if you've ever wanted to know, how do I become a Christian? 
Well, what, what, what do I do? How do I even embark on the journey? I don't understand everything. I don't know. I, I've read some things. My, my, my uh, high school science teacher told me that the Bible, you know, and now I, I'm trying to figure all that kind of stuff out, and I, I get all that. But the way it begins is a step of faith. A step of faith where you say, Lord, I don't know which way the wind is blowing, but I have seen you moving in my life. I have felt you moving in my life. I have felt your spirit stirring that there needs to be some change. What I'm doing isn't working for me. That's a scary place to be in, not because it's, it's scary because you're talking to Jesus, but it's just you, you're at that place where you realize, I'm, I might have to give some stuff up. That's fun. Or that's, you know, I'm used to. Or... But the whole story of Nicodemus, the whole story of Nicodemus is a man trying to shove Jesus into his system, into his structure. It's about humans, which is our natural tendency, to want to pick and choose the elements of Jesus that help us navigate the life that we want to be in control of. And Jesus says to all of us, you must be born again. There needs a whole new engine. You need a whole new system. And it's with me at the center of it. As uh, Ajua comes back up, um, I want to reiterate just one more time. I've been talking about how the, the kingdom of God is accessible to all no matter who you are. In Galatians 3.28, which is talking about salvation and a relationship with God, uh, Paul has this radical thing to say, which would, would have been very radical in his day. There is neither Jew nor Greek, so your race doesn't matter. There is neither slave nor free, so your ec- economy, your education your socioeconomic standard doesn't matter. There's neither fa- male nor female. Gender doesn't make you more or less. We are saying the same agenda. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. In Revelation, John, who wrote the book we were just looking at uh, with the story of Nicodemus, is having this vision. And he says, After these I looked... And behold, a great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches, were in their hands. For some of you, I I know many of your stories and know your journey, and uh, we've had phone conversations and emails and texts and wherever you are in your journey. But every now and then I want to give us an opportunity to do this process of being born again, of being able to actually ask Jesus to take control of our lives. Even before we might understand it all, we just know that this is our next step. And there's nothing magical about the prayer. There's nothing, if, oh, I, I forgot to say a word. Then oh, you're out. <laughs> the kingdom of God is available uh, to, to all. 
But it does take a decision on our part. It does take a risk on our part to say, God, as best as I can understand it right now, I'm giving you control of my life. And so here's what I want to do. I want to um, lead us in a prayer. And, and maybe you've been a Christian for 20 years, and, and you're just like, oh my gosh, I've, I've, I've personally prayed this prayer, I don't know, 30 times. I don't know which time I actually became a Christian, but uh, I, I've, I've, I've prayed it a lot. Because in my journey, I've, I've had different understandings of what it means to fully give my life over to Christ. And so I'm going to lead us in a prayer that basically says this, Lord, um, I can't do it on my own. I, I, uh, uh, I can't do it with me at the center. I give you control of my life. I ask you to forgive me of my past. And I want to make you Lord of my life this morning. That, that is the prayer. Again, there's nothing magical about it. But you're communicating with the Lamb of God who was raised for this very purpose. That God so loved the world, all of us, that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So um, if you are ready to pray this prayer again, and whether you've been a Christian for a long time, and if you're at Facebook Live and you're watching this in your house, uh, you can join with us. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I want you to be Lord of my life. Take control of my life. Help me to follow you. I give you full authority. And I ask for your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, it's really cool. Nicodemus, later on, uh, he shows up a couple more times. In chapter 7, the Pharisees are going nuts over some stuff that Jesus was doing. And uh, Nicodemus, like, steps up, and he goes, hey, I don't think we should be so quick to rush into judging this guy before we get all the facts. And they just, like, shut him down, right? So, and so, you know, then some people would think, why didn't, he, why didn't he just go for it right then and just say, I'm a follower of Jesus, you know what? For the same reason we don't in our, all different areas of our journey. And then later on, this is so sweet, Jesus dies. And two guys go ask for the body of Jesus. This one guy, Joseph, he gets a tomb and he brings it. And Nicodemus shows up with a hundred pounds of spices and oils to embalm the body. Almost as if to say, I believe. And I just... It's just very sweet to watch his journey, and I don't know where he ended up. I don't know if he ever fully understood what it means to be born again. The, the church has kind of adopted that over the years of what that actually means for, for, for him. I don't know. But we have the same, uh, we're on the same process. And so here's what I'd ask you to do. Um, Aju is going to sing a song about seeking first Jesus, about uh, seeking him first. And so what we typically do during this time is we fill out those connection cards. And uh, we love getting those. We love getting your prayer requests. And so we ask that every family uh, fill, fill it out.
Um, and so that we just know who's here and who's not. We'll follow up with people and all that. But we, we, we pray for every single one of those prayer requests every, every uh, week. And then the other thing we do is we take our offering. And um, a lot of us give online, and so we weren't, we, maybe you're not preparing an offering. But for those who give by cash or check and just help the church advance the kingdom of God through that, um, uh, we really are thankful uh, for those tithes and offerings. They're very helpful, and you guys have been so faithful. Uh, but here's the third thing. Um, if you prayed that prayer, uh, again, whether you've been a Christian for decades or maybe this was the first time you prayed it, we're just going to have a little time for you to just listen. What, what, what's your next step from there? What would God have you do? Is it a conversation? Change? Let me pray for us. Lord God, we are thankful that, uh, that you had this conversation with Nicodemus. We're thankful that The kingdom of God does not rest on our ability to follow a bunch of rules and to decide if we're good enough or not and to try to have our good outweigh our bad or to try to figure out where we measure up or what we need to do, that the kingdom of God is as simple as being born again and yet very difficult as we put that into practice. So, Lord, I pray for us. I pray a blessing on us that we would be able to um, live that out Uh, the way you would have us live that out. In Jesus' name, amen.